Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 105 in Edmonton, 305 in New York City. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers. The Oilers and Devils tonight, 3.30 pregame for a face-off show, 5 o'clock puck drop. Edmonton 3-0 and the uh, Devils 0-2-1, but they spanked the Oilers last year, smoked them 5-2 and 6-3. In this next hour, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar, and Ken Bookham Danico. Uh, Brennan will carry that conversation as I get ready to hop on. Our uh, bus over across the river into New Jersey. Winners now brought to you by our title sponsor, and that is Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Without further ado, we welcome back a very popular regular guest on this show, Longtime NHL executive now with Sportsnet, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Well, the orders are 3-0, and Brian. Uh, James Neal has six goals. He leads the NHL in goals, power play goals. McDavid's tied for the scoring race. McDavid and Dreisaitl have tied for the assist race. And, uh, you know, we're doing pretty good, to be honest with you. There's, 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 hey, 3-0 is a lot better than being 0-3, isn't it, Brian? Well, and they've done it convincingly. This is—they're not squeaking these out. I mean, they're—they're they're playing really well. It's a great start. Um, Dave Tippett, twenty-one point improvement. The first year he went into Dallas, twenty-eight point improvement uh, when he went into Arizona. Took non-playoff teams in the playoffs, and let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. They are just three and zero. Case in point: New Jersey was four and zero last year, and they missed the playoffs by a mile. But there's something about, is there something about the combination of maybe Holland and Tippett that might have a chance to mirror what the Islanders did last year with Lamarillo and Trotz? You know, getting an experienced GM and an experienced coach in and sort of resuscitating franchises that were struggling a bit. Well, the common thread would be what the Islanders did is they cut their goals against by 100 goals, 100 goals. Like, that's impossible to do. And what Dave Tippett has done in the past when he's gone in is he puts in really good structure. He stresses avoiding uh, reducing the number of quality scoring chances, making it hard for opponents to score against them. And it's been successful twice now, and it looks like it'll be successful again at Edmonton. So he's really good at taking teams that struggle, adding structure, adding some emphasis. They changed a few players and got some guys in who are making a difference too. But, you know, if you're looking for early credit, 
you'd have to say it goes to Dave Tippett. If they took a vote after three games, he'd probably win the Jack Adams. So he's done it before. I'm not surprised. I said this on the show last week. He brings structure. He brings accountability. And that's the easiest thing to to fix on a team is to is to stop the bleeding. But he does it better than just about anybody. You know, is he going to reduce their goals against by 100? I don't know, but I, I don't think this Edmonton team is off to a fluke start. I think they can, I think they can be a successful team this year. One of the things you talked last week about Mike Smith and his puck handling abilities and how he limited the amount of hits that the Flames' defense dealt with. And you guys had your analytics department run that down at Calgary. He turned the puck over on two consecutive goals against LA. Really. The Oilers should have beaten the Kings, you know, probably 5-2, 5-3 in that game. And then it ended up having to win 6-5. And they showed resiliency. But he did something with Smith that I liked. Like, Mike made him a bad mistake on the first goal. The second one, I would say, is a communication error between Mike and, you know, an inexperienced defenseman. But he stuck with him. And it speaks, does it not, to the importance of a coach. And we just had Louis DeBrusque on, and he talked about this. You know, coach showing belief in his guys. And sticking with him. Well, I, th- I think there's that, but I think there's also that's what you get with Mike Smith. That's the risk reward. I mean, you know, I, well, I can tell you, I loved having Mike Smith in my team, but he almost gave me a heart attack just about every other game. So that's what you have to live with: is you're going to have some horrible panic moments where Smitty mishandles a puck and it turns into a goal or a really good scoring chance. But you can't have both. You can't have that quality puck handling guy that essentially replaces a defenseman. So if you watch the game carefully, when the puck goes back, and Smitty gets almost everything. So teams know he's going to stop the puck. They try to ring it, rim it by him at high speed and you know four feet off the, off the ice, and he gets almost everything. The two defensemen on Edmonton that typically would go back and retrieve the puck, they just peel off to the corners. So he's got outlet options. And he's really reliable and spectacular, 98% of the time. The other 2% of the time is like the other night against L.A. And your heart's going to yeah. stop a couple times. But that's you've got to take the good with the bad. You can't have this magician with the puck and not have some errors once in a while. I am not an anybody but Calgary guy, an ABC guy. I want the Flames to be successful. I want the Oilers to be successful. Make no mistake, I work for OEG. I want the Oilers to beat the Flames. But I'm not cheering against Calgary on a uh, night-by-night basis. And I'm going to sort of relate that, uh, Brian, into what's occurred here with Milan Lucic and James Neal because Neal has been put in a position to succeed, and he's succeeding right now. It's going pretty good for him, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. He looks great. I mean, even in the first couple games he scored, but he threw a couple of big hits. He was back to the old James Neal. No question. I think it's a combination of a few things. One, he's playing farther up in the lineup and with better players, so he's getting more opportunity. But two, he appears to have reinvented himself, too. I think he was embarrassed about last year and and trained hard and came back with a different mindset. And it's very clear and very evident to watch. He's, he's, He's got, what, six goals now. He averages around 20 in his whole 10-year career. I think 20 is pretty safe now, and he got six by October 10th. Something to be said for that uh, net front pe- uh, presence position on a team that's got McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins on the power play. 
Yeah, and it's 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 silly because you you said something about it, and I did Calgary radio this morning. It is silly that that um, people would somehow wish that that James Neal not have success in Edmonton because I know Edmonton fans are wishing Milan Lucic the best. The fact is, Calgary knew what they were getting in this deal. They were getting a physical presence they desperately needed. They were getting some leadership. They wanted Milan Lucic, and he came into camp in great shape. He's lighter than he's been in a few years. 8% body fat looks great. They knew what they were getting, and that's what they got. And Edmonton paid part of the salary. The risk in this trade was all on James Neal. So Ken Holland makes this deal, and James Neal turns in a year like he did last year with seven goals or six goals, whatever he had, and then Kenny Holland looks like an idiot. But if he gets James Neal back to what he was in his 20-plus goals or maybe 30-plus goals the way he's starting off, he looks like a genius. So I, I, I don't know James Neal well, but what I know I like. I hope he has a hell of a year. I mean, the best trades work out for both teams. Well, the other thing is, if you it's, is it any different than when you're negotiating with an agent? You want to feel like it's a win-win, don't you? Because when it, you don't feel like it's a win-win, and when you think the agent gave you, I don't even know if any agent ever put you in that position, frankly, Brian. My guess is you wouldn't allow a guy to do that to you. But, you know, I know talking to Scott Housen and Kevin Lowe over the years, uh, even to Pete Chiarelli, like, you know, he would, we'd discuss, like, the agents that always made you feel like it was a win for the organization, too, you'd want to do another deal with. And the agents that sat there and gave you no wiggle room and, choked you out you're like i'm not sure the next time he calls me on that guy that he wants to place in our organization maybe not quite as good a player as the guy we just signed maybe i don't take that call or maybe i you know what i'm you know what i'm saying here yeah it's human nature and and you want the trade to work out actually calgary i believe recovers a draft pick if james neal does have success so good i think james neal is off to a good start i don't see any reason why that can't continue i think milan lucic has given calgary what they needed good for both teams the Dowdy Kachuk thing, and we didn't discuss this before. That's still good for hockey, isn't it? Right? Like, no, I mean, no, it's wrong. terrible. We got We have to get rid of it. It's terrible. Is it's it terrible? Two guys having a feud. No, it's awesome. It's great. Are you kidding me? I hope it goes on for years. This is how our game was built, and this is how our game was played. And the fact that we've shifted to a much higher speed game and skill game, which is all good, we should never lose our roots which is there is still room for combat. There is still room for players to not like each other. There is still fighting. And so I think it's fantastic. I, I, I love the fact Matthew Kachuk is a 24-hour full-time pain in the ass. He doesn't take any yep. coffee breaks. He's a pain in the ass from puck drop till the, the last horn. What I like is that Drew Doughty's not backing down from any of it. He's giving yeah. it right back. It's fantastic for hockey if you'd like that. Are you kidding me? I can't wait till they play again. I was look, man. I I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more conversation about him from Edmonton's perspective at four in 2016. Obviously, the Oilers initially didn't think Paul Yarvey was going to be there. We've discussed this a lot over the last year, Brian, since you've done the show. Um, he's a better, you know. Chris Knobloch coached against him with Erie and loved him. And said, Bob, you guys, you got to talk to Peter. Like, this guy's a hell of a player. I Did you guys think he'd be this good offensively this fast? No. And, and like I said to you, Bob, we had Pooley Arby right where Edmonton had him. Like, if we'd have picked ahead 
we would have had a real hard time with that. And we might have taken Puyu Yarby. Like, we loved all these guys. That was a deep, a really good bunch of guys at the top. And Dubois went unexpectedly, and he's a hell of a player. So, and, and Puyu Yarby may figure it out. Like, I, I don't ever write guys off in their first couple of years. So, we would have had a real tough decision on that. But, no, we did not think Matthew could. We weren't going to keep him. We went to Ken King, Brad Schlebing and I, and said he's going back to junior. And we played the last two preseason games, and the kid made it impossible for us to send him down. And we had to go back to Ken, and, and, and Ken was great about this. But, you know, he's got a bad temper. And we went back and said, we changed our minds. He goes, I already <laughs> talked to ownership about this. Damper. <laughs> and, and he goes, it's like, he said, let me have this, let me get this straight. I went to ownership and told him you're sending the kid back. And now, 24 hours later, you're changing your tune. And we we're like, yeah. And he said, okay, I'll sell it. He was great about it. He wasn't too happy, but he was great about it. And, of course, we made the right call. He was an impact player as, a, as an 18-year-old. But we didn't think he'd have this offensive impact this early. Anyone who tells you that they that we did think that is lying. And the main thing was because of his skating. He's not a great skater. He's still yeah. a guy that comes joins the play from behind. What he is is a great, great outlet player. For a forward, he gets the puck on the wall, and it's out. It's on someone's stick. He hits he hits a, his center or he hits the defense from joining the play. It's clean out every time he touches the puck. He's reliable as hell. And then he joins the rush late and makes great plays. When the play sets up and there's cycle time, he gets to the front of the net. He's impossible to move, and he tips the puck as well as anyone I've ever had. Going back to Tony Tanti, who was the, a master of tipping pucks. Yeah, scored 40-plus for the Canucks back in the day. We're joined by Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Kachuk. I was the biggest Leon Dreisaitl. Like, I pushed him on our fan base in the 2014 draft. I didn't think Leon would ever score 50 either. Like, I thought he'd for sure, you know, I thought his upside was he'd be like a 25-goal, 75-point guy. I didn't think he'd turn out to. I mean, that's just sometimes, hey, for all the misses, sometimes there are some hits that exceed expectations. I guess that's life, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, and that's, you just described the draft. You're not buying a car. You're not going to a lot and buying a car that's going to go so fast and does such performance characteristics and needs an oil change every exact kilometers, so 1,000 kilometers. You're buying a human being in the draft, and he's 18. So he's got to mature physically. He's got to mature emotionally. Guys discover girls. Guys discover beer. There's a lot of ways you can get off the rails. And so this is you're going to miss on... You know, the, the, the success rate, we count a, a successful drafted player as a guy that plays three seasons, so 240 games roughly. We make it right. 220 or 225 because they'll miss a few due to injury or whatever. So a guy that plays 225 NHL games, we consider a successful draft. And and we miss a lot, even in the first round. The success rate of three of the guys that play 225 games, it's less than half, even in the first round. So it's a very inexact science. Uh, I've I've made some horrible calls on the floor. I've made I, I've one a couple years in Vancouver. I drafted in five rounds, didn't draft one player that played based on our criteria. But I've had some home runs too. The Twins were pretty good picks. Ryan Kessler was a pretty good pick. Bieksa was a pretty good pick. So that's that's how you keep your job. You make it. You hit enough home runs that people forget. You strike out sometimes too. 
Okay, Glenn Sather's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Oilers' 1990 draft. Of course, they won the Cup that year. They had like 10 picks. Not one game played. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's not 230 games, Brian. That's zero games played. That's tough yeah, to do. You look, you look at you know, what was it, four years ago or five years ago when Boston took three three consecutive first-round picks and only one of them has played any games, I think. Yeah, that's Jake a good, That's a good organization. That. That's a championship-winning, perennial contending organization run by really smart people. And they, well, they, and they passed one... Barzell three, three times. And the story I was told was Cam Neely saw Barzell play once that year out west. And because Zach Hamill was such a bust a few years earlier, you know, he wanted them to pass on Barzell. So they ended up taking uh, the Czech defenseman Zorobil and then Zach Sinishin, who can absolutely fly. I still think Zach Sinishin is going to play as a third liner in the league, Brian. But... Yeah, I mean it's 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 a fun it's a fun thing. Hey, I got to ask you a couple more things. Brian Burke from Canadian Power Pack uh, for NHL Hockey and Rogers. Brian, the uh, the Maple Leafs get so much attention. Uh, do you think this team they're going to be able to score? We know that they got guys you know going to really move the puck in the backhand. Do you think they're capable in their current configuration to make hay come playoff time with the squad they got? Well, let's start start at the beginning. What you said is true. They've, they're off to a really good start. They got a really good hockey team. I don't think their defense is up to up to measure with other top teams. Uh, the moves they made uh, were lateral moves in my mind. The, the group itself is no better than it was a year ago. Taking Jake Gardner out, taking Hainsey out, taking Zaitsev out, and putting in uh, Barry, putting in um, you know the, the new guys. So. To me, it was a lateral move on defense. They're different, but they're not better. It's just a different group. The forwards, the top six are lethal. Bottom six are just okay. So they they are trying to tread water with their bottom two lines, just don't get scored on, and then kill you with their top two lines. Their power play, both units look sensational. They get clean entries into the zone virtually every time. Once they set up, they're getting great scoring chances. They've already scored a few power play goals, and I think they've hit four posts already on the power play. So they are a legitimate team. I don't think they're configured to, for playoff success. I've had this beef with them for some time. Um, and I think if anyone doesn't think that size and physicality is still important, they didn't watch the finals last year. One final one for you. I have immense respect for San Jose. Um, but if it's me... If I'm managing that team, I sign Joe Pavelski. I get him done before I worried about a long-term extension on Evander Kane. Um, have they jumped the shark, so to speak, with that friend? Their own, I think they're own four right now. I'd never write them off because Doug Wilson's had the best overall record last 15 years. But are we finally starting to see it maybe slip in San Jose? It's too early to say. You know, there's, it, the small sample size. I mean, there's people in Edmonton talking about Stanley Cups. I think that's a little premature. Not there's on this in, show. There's people in Toronto talking about Stanley Cups. I think that's a little premature. And therefore, I would say it's premature to predict the demise of San Jose. But I will tell you, you got to be nervous. Doug Wilson's done a great job, but he's got to be nervous at the way they've been outplayed early. So it's not just that their record isn't what it should be. It's they have been outworked and outplayed badly. The goaltending's just been okay. So uh, if I'm Doug Wilson, and he's a perpetually optimistic guy, that 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 nice demeanor and smile you see in public, that's him. 
He's a real, that's a, his real personality. He's upbeat, good guy. But I'd be real concerned. I'd be, I'd be losing sleep over how, how they're playing and how they're losing. But it's too early to say they're all done. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll touch base next week. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That's Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. A reminder that guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park locations. When we come back, we'll get to the injury report for James H. Brown and Associates. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 127, let's get to some texts at 630, 630. Ty says, Bob, I love Brian Burke. He tells it like it is. No BS. Go Oilers. Ty from BL. And another text out of Lloyd Minster saying, simply put, Brian Burke is awesome. So there you go. Some love for Brian. And our old friend Jason from Sangudo. He's just got such, uh, such a way with words. I don't think there's any question about that. Let's get to that text right now. It says, Bob, I imagine you doing these shows in New York in your silk PJs with a fancy robe, a cigar in the ashtray, booze chilling, and scantily clad ladies frolicking about your room. Well, you have a vivid imagination, Jason. I will tell you that. Uh, You're only partially all right. There's no booze in the room right now. All right, uh, let's do it. I'm just kidding, Addy, if you're listening. Uh, Let's... uh... Let's get to the injury report brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Bob, I'm laughing because I think you just might have put yourself in the doghouse there, my friend. Oh, my wife knows better. Come on. Take a look at me. That's not happening. The James H. Brown injury report. Lightning forward Braden Point will make his season debut tonight against Toronto. He had been sidelined while recovering from hip surgery. In Carolina, alternate captain Jordan Martinook now out six to eight weeks following surgery to repair a core muscle injury. It is his second injury of that nature. Coyotes forward Lawson Krause dealing with an upper body injury and is expected to be sidelined tonight. That'll pave the way for Barrett Hayton to make his regular season debut. Tonight's opponent, New Jersey, uh, really lucky with their injury situation to date. Literally nothing to speak of. And as for the Oilers, uh, a lot up in the air between Josh Archibald and Alex Chason as they're questionable with flu-like symptoms, Bob. All righty. Uh, coming up, uh, Brennan Escott's going to guide you home in the final half hour. Live interview with Ken Danico. I'll rejoin you tomorrow. I'll rejoin you at 3.30 actually today on the Face-Off show. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad.